Welcome to Tycoons of Small Biz, a podcast where small business owners are celebrated as the backbone of the American economy. Each week, we introduce you to tycoons who share their stories and advice so that small business owners may learn from their experiences. Tycoons is powered by Backbone Planning Partners, Fintrepid Solutions, and Pivotal Advisors. Join us now as our hosts connect you to today's tycoons. Good afternoon, tycoons, and welcome to today's episode of Tycoons of Small Biz. I'm your host here, as always, Austin Peterson, coming to you live from Gilbert, Arizona. The temperature's not too high, but the humidity is higher than it should be in Arizona. Everybody says it's okay, the heat's fine, it's a dry heat, don't worry about it, but they forget about monsoon season. So it is quite humid here today and still 102 degrees. So I think it's probably worse than it is in Lubbock, Texas, where our guest is coming from. But before we introduce the guest and uh, let you know who we've got on the show today, if this is the first time that you're listening to our podcast and you're wondering what it is we do here at Tycoons of Small Biz, we are a podcast that's put together by small business owners for small business owners. We believe truly that the backbone of the American economy is the small business owner, and we want to celebrate that. We want to give them a platform. We want to give them an opportunity to share their story, share some advice, uh, maybe you know, inspire other business owners and entrepreneurs throughout the country. And so we put together this podcast in May of 2020, and we've been going strong every week ever since. So with that being said, Welcome to the show. We've got uh, on our on our podcast today, definitely a tycoon of small biz, Travis Turner coming to us from Lubbock, Texas. Travis is a real estate agent and owner of Brick and Loft Realty. Travis, welcome to the show. Hey, man. How are you doing? I'm glad to be here. Good. Yeah, we're excited to have you here and uh, I appreciate you making the time to be on our fledgling podcast. So, Travis, before we jump into the business side of things, tell us about you personally. You know, did you grow up in Lubbock? What is your family life like? Are you married? Do you have kids? Where did you go to school? Whatever you'd like us to know about you personally. Yeah, well, uh, to answer the first question, we actually got some rain here recently, too. So, um, and then a little bit down for me is Dallas, you know, hop, skip, and a drive. I work there, too, and they're having flash floods. So, uh, we don't do well with rain either. We're not used to it. And a little bit of rain goes a long way here. So it's uh, it's been good. Everybody's been happy. It's been very humid. I'm um, used to the dry heat. So I'm with you there with the weather. As far as myself, I grew up in Lubbock, Texas. I come from a family of entrepreneurs. So my mom and my dad, they started a restaurant called Orlando's. And from there, it spun off into a restaurant called Caprock Cafe. And both of these are, Orlando's is the second longest tenured restaurant in Lubbock, Texas. And they have over 350 employees, multi-million dollar franchise type, or it's not a franchise, multi-million dollar setup that they have. It's a super cool company that they have going. And it wasn't something that I necessarily wanted to step my feet into. I was I was not um, geared to run restaurants. And that's a lot of headache and responsibility and relying on other people. And so I was like, well, what else can I do? You know, so growing up in, in Lubbock, um, was good. It's a very family-friendly environment, pretty secluded. I mean, we're called the hub city for a reason because we are all the way, we're about six hours is the closest drive to a major city, um, that being Dallas. So we're all kind of by ourselves. We have the medical hub here. So a lot of smaller towns and, and outside areas come um, to Lubbock for medical help and, and college and things like that. But we're all kind of, we're isolated out here. But growing up in Lubbock, it was fun. I went to a school called Friendship High School where I played basketball and I played football, ended up, ended up just doing basketball for most of my career. And then I played basketball in college, a little bit at a college called Lubbock Christian University. From there, I transferred to Texas Tech University, where I was a major in the business school. 
and I was a major in three different areas of business. So I graduated technically with a triple major, but one of them was kind of given to you for free just for taking enough hours in the business school. So I'd say more of like a double major. And I still didn't know what I was going to do. So I was actually um, working at Costco. And I remember that they were telling me about one of the owners of Costco. And I was, you know, I'm always curious about numbers. And I've heard numbers being talked about my entire life just coming from business. And so I was asking kind of what the, the general manager who owns the company's salary looked like with him being, you know, 42-ish when I was 20, God, I was 22 or 23 at the time. And I remember them telling me, yeah, it's, he's one of the youngest general managers of a store ever. He makes, you know, about $120,000 a year. And I was like, man, I was like, I thought about that. And I was like, he's been at the company for 20 something years. And he just now hit a six figure salary. I was like, I need to do something different than that. Right. So I was like, I don't know what else I can do, but I'm going to figure it out. And so I left Costco. I started bouncing at a bar as most people do. Right. So I was, I was a bar bouncer there at, at one of the uh, it's a place called Chimney's, one of the, the most popular places that was in Lubbock. And at the same time, I decided, well, hey, I'm going to start real estate. So I went and talked to one of the top agents in Lubbock who happened to be the dad of my sister's best friend. And so I was like, well, I'll just go talk to him out of the blue. He's like, if you get your license, you can come work. You can come try it out and work for me. And I said, okay, great. So I was start, I worked 40 hours at Chimmy's and I worked about 20 to 30 hours doing real estate and working on my license and getting that stuff going. I pretty much sold my first house right after I started Chimmy's, but it, it, was a, it was a fun time. I met a lot of people through through that business. Uh, I don't like you said. I don't want to jump into the business side of things yet. That's kind of how I got involved in real estate. But a little bit more about me personally. Before we jump into that, is I'm a huge man of faith. So I I sing for my church. I'm on the worship team. I also lead a youth group. So I, I uh, administer to children, you know, or kids that are anywhere between the ages of uh, sixth grade through twelfth grade. So I'm there every Wednesday and Sunday doing stuff with my church huge into basketball. I played a basketball game last night. I'm still very competitive. I work out, you know, three to four times a week now. And uh, yeah, and then I I enjoy helping people with business and and through real estate. Back on the faith thing, I was talking to a lady who's putting together, I'm actually going to be featured in a magazine here locally. And she was asking me some some questions and she loved my faith aspect. And we, we started talking a little bit deeper. And I told her, but the reason that I'm here and that I know is I'm here is to bring joy to people. And so it doesn't necessarily mean to just go out and make them laugh, right? But just more of like joy is long-term. So just creating relationships and being able to speak to people on a personal level and people open up to you is kind of a gift that I've been given. And so that kind of tells you a little bit about me personally, um, what I'm into, what I've been doing. Huge sports guy, love you know doing fantasy football, all those kind of things. Avid worker outer, never camped, never hunted not, you, you know, huge things being from West Texas, people are like what, but it's just not something that I do. I'm very impulsive. I went out and bought a four wheeler last week just because I've always wanted one. Um, I've moved six times in the past two years, just creating a little, uh, riddle portfolio basis, which I can explain here later on too. But that kind of gives you an idea of, of where I come from family entrepreneur and where I am now as far as personal life. So. Yeah, very cool. So Let's go back, actually, and start with your parents being entrepreneurs. Um, first, you have to explain to me how you have a name like Orlando's in Lubbock, Texas, right? So tell me where the name came from first. Yeah. So uh, the original owner, uh, there's a, a gentleman named David Sia, and he's the son of, of Mike Sia. And it was from his side of the family that the name Orlando came from. 
and that was where all the recipes it was his like grandfather or his dad i can't remember who who the name trickled down from and so he was like i'm gonna name it after them so he named it orlando's and then obviously he passed away and then my dad partnered with mike and they both uh, started running the the single orlando's that was there and then david c and the rest of the partner jumped in too and started creating this huge enterprise um, which is now two orlando stores and two caprock cafes named after the caprock canyon located around here so that's kind of where they got their names and how they came to be all right so it came from somebody's name originally is your dad or mom and dad still partners with the CF family or it's just, it's just your family now? It's uh, it's, there's three families. So there's the David C and his family, Gerald Fanta and his family, and then the Turners, which is my family. Both of my mom and dad are both on the team. My parents are texting me details as they're watching. So oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm getting some notifications, but uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much how it started and where they're at now. Yeah, well, since since they're listening, I'll just throw this out there. We would love to have them on the show as well. We've actually, we had one restaurant group that was going to be on the show and the, the owner got very sick the day of the recording. And so we had to scramble and put somebody else on. So we've, we've never had a restaurant group on the podcast. 120 episodes, we've never had one. So we'd love to have a restaurant group on the podcast. So if this is something your mom and dad or any of their other partners would like to do. We'd love to have that conversation. But so now I kind of lost my train of thought. Well, actually I was going to say, I was going to make a comment about friendship high school. Is that like the name of the township? I know it's not spelled like friendship. Yeah. F R E N. So friend friendship. And it is located in Wolferth. So you've got, it's like a suburb of Lubbock. It's the school that I went to. So the, the elementary was in Lubbock. And then you transition into Wolferth, and that's where the high school is. And when I attended, my class was like 420 students, um, and we were a 4A school. And fast forward to now, which is I graduated in 2010. So even even two years ago, it's still the same. They're now 6A, and they're graduating. Their freshman class, they have their own building because they've gotten so large. They have their own freshman school for the high school. It's across the street from the actual high school. And I think the class for the freshmen is about 1,200 students just in just freshmen. And mm-hmm. uh, so they, they've definitely grown. And then you have another school called Cooper. And so now you have the, the big Texas rivalry, which is these two big 6A schools in Lubbock, Cooper and Friendship that play sports against each other and, and compete every year. So it's become a, a big rivalry since when I was there to now. But now they're both massive schools and they just happen to be in the good part of town where all the buildings going and everybody's wanting to move to. And they've been highlighted as some of the top school districts in, in Texas and things like that uh, for academics and sports. So, yeah, people love it out there. So is this a part of Texas where this, this whole town shuts down on Friday night during football season and the whole town is at the high school football games? For for the high school, I would say not as much as when Texas Tech plays. That's the college here. So a lot of the stuff, a lot of the attention centers around Texas Tech sports. So you don't want to have anything going on when Tech's playing a game, even depending on how we're doing that season. I mean, if we're if we're on a win streak and we're, you know, three, four games that we've we've won and our record looks pretty good in the beginning, it's like a madhouse. You don't even want to drive down downtown. But if it's a season that's not so popular, you know. I mean, people fight or flight, they'll just be gone and you can kind of, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. But I mean, they, they, people bleed it. They just, you know, they'll get upset and they won't. We're very passionate here. So, but yeah, Texas Tech is definitely the, when, when it's Saturday, you don't want to be out. 
All right. Well, I'm going to make one more mention real quick on the faith thing. So my partner and I, Landon, are both men of faith where it's very important to us. We spend a lot of time doing stuff with our church and spending time with our families and the youth and serving the community. And so hats off to you for that. And I won't put you on the spot and have you sing something, but I, I actually love to sing as well. And so it's it's something that I've thought about doing uh, on the podcast and some of my social media, but I just haven't uh, taken that step just yet. Yeah, you definitely should. I'd love to hear the voice. I'll work my way up to that. I, I do think it actually could have kind of a unique spin either on the podcast or on social media, you know, but uh, we'll, we'll see if I get up the courage to do that. But I, I love to sing. My family knows very well that I love to sing. I'm singing. I love it. Yeah, guaranteed. I think I think you do well. And uh, what, do, what do you like to sing? Country music or or Christian or? A little of a little of everything. I, I mean, I think my my baritone voice lends itself to country music, so that's you know kind of my my area for sure. But my wife's not a country fan, so you know she doesn't get excited about going to a, a local restaurant or a coffee shop or something to hear me to hear me sing country music. She doesn't like it. I love to sing country music. I love to sing gospel music. Really, I'll sing. I'll sing anything. I mean, old classic rock songs, you know, the Eagles or Steve Miller bands. Okay. Like that. Yeah. Thing as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'd love to see that on the show sometime. Have me back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll have, we'll have a special segment where just you and I sing something. That would be yeah, cool. Right. See how many people tune in. Yeah. Right. Or, or, or if uh, Daryl, our producer happens to see all the listener numbers dropping while we're, while yeah. we're singing, get interrupted. <laughs> Exactly. I'm down for that. Sign me up. Yeah. All right. Well, let's jump into the business side. So you got, you know, Brick and Loft Realty. I know you got a couple of other um, companies that you've kind of set up along the way that are interrelated. So I'll just kind of turn it over to you and say, you know, who is or what is Brick and Loft? Who do you guys serve? And you can expand and talk about the other companies and what, what all you guys do there as well. I think it always helps to know where you're at, to know where you came from. So, you know, the, the past uh, dictates the future. So I started in real estate as I kind of where I left off. I was working at Chimneys doing the same thing. My first sale came from working at the bar. My first sale was a $400,000 garden home, made $6,000 with my cut, most money I'd ever seen in my life. Quit the bar scene, focused on purely on real estate, didn't sell another house for another four or five months. So that's just how it goes. That's how real estate. I, I thought this whole time, I was like, man, this is easy. Like people are making boo-coos of cash. Like I sold one in a week and I didn't even try, right? And actually, you know, I go dry for a whole five months. Crazy story. When I was signing on to work with the real estate company I did, I was going to get mentorship and help from a guy that was pretty close to my age, one of my best friends to this day. But at that time, um, I, had, I hadn't been in touch with him since high school. And uh, he ends up getting stabbed and robbed in Dallas when I was going to go work for him or work with him on the team. And he was going to teach me everything. And so he was in the hospital for like seven months. So literally like a week before I started. And so I didn't have any of that kind of mentorship. I was just in a room by myself. And then my boss was so busy because he just does a lot of real estate deals that he would just like walk in, hand me a number and a name and he'd be out the door. And so I didn't know, like, I didn't know how to lead Jen. I didn't know how to like set my day up. I didn't know how to take, you know, the notes I needed to or any of that kind of process. And so it kind of was like a, a sink or swim type of situation. And I'm honestly grateful that that was the way it was because I developed so many different ways that I was able to get in front of people and create content and, and get in front of clients and show houses and, and sell property because of all the ways that I developed. And a lot of the things that I developed 
for ways that most of the, the general public and, and realtors weren't doing because they probably were taught how to do certain things. So that's what their focus was versus mine was like, I'll just try everything. And so that's what I'm doing and developing my own niche and my own ways for generating business. Um, but I started in 2015 and I probably was in the top order of agents, maybe top 20% in sales um, for the for my first year or for all agents in Lubbock. And there's probably, now there's about 1,400 agents. Back then there was about 1,000. So it's grown, but there was about 1,000 agents at the time. So I was probably in the top 250 agents, 200 agents probably in, in Lubbock just in my first year. And then every year since I've slowly increased up. So I built my base, built my clientele. And then I really dove into the investing side of things. Uh, about year four, year five, met some really cool partners and decided that, hey, like maybe this is something we want to entertain. And some things kind of fell into place to where it was time to ultimately move on and open a company. And I've always wanted, I mean, watching my parents, I've always wanted to own my own company. Like I knew I, I was part of a great team and we had a great thing going, but there's always something that even if it's a risk or you don't end up making as much or whatever, it's like the what if down the, the 20 years from now, right? And it's like, Opening your opening your own thing is something that I wanted to do personally. It was what step that I wanted to take, and I felt called to do so. And so here we are, fast forward about a year and a half. We started Brick and Loft in 20, 2021. It was it was that it was that March is when pretty much when I moved over, and it was me and there's three other partners. Craziest thing ever: Travis Turner, myself, Travis Lanning, Travis Hansen, and then Landing Quigley. And uh, yeah, there was three Travises and Landon. And so that's uh, pretty funny. There's some in our like banker's name is Travis. We hired a guy named Landon Turner. So Travis Turner, Landon Quigley, Landon Turner. So there's a lot of confusion in the office. You couldn't say anybody's first or last name without getting multiple people saying what. So that was that was definitely interesting and, and a lot and a joke a lot of times. And people would say Landon Turner was our son and stuff like that. And, you know, it, it, was, it, was, it was funny, but uh, pretty crazy there. So yeah, two of my partners named Travis as well. So we're all on a last name basis, but we, we did, I won't go into heavy, heavy detail, but we set our brokerage up. We're pretty much, we, we sold off an uh, equity portion of the company to the community to get community involvement to where that they could have ownership, but also, you know, help us to generate leads and organic leads and their family members, right? If they, they have a, a hand in something, why would they send their, their family member, their brother or their aunt or whatever to their real estate company when, they could make money passively through sending it to our company. And so we ended up doing that. Uh, we held an event, held a big party, you know, had wine, food, the whole, the whole nine, um, sat down with people and, and helped them um, get set up with our company. And then from there, it's been slowly building our systems over the, the, the last year of how we're going to train on board, who we're going to go after, how we're going to hire people, and then what markets we're going to service. So now we're in Midland. We're in Lubbock, Texas, Midland, Texas, and then we're also servicing the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I was just on a Zoom call with a girl that is joining the team in Dallas, and she's going to be the few on the ground there. We're going to build out there as well. And so Brick and Loft is our real estate brokerage that the four of us own and operate and are helping to teach and to grow um, our agents here in local in Lubbock and in other markets and eventually hopefully cover quite a bit of the, of the South. And the model that I've kind of gone after is that I really, like I said, my, my passion is to bring joy and, and success. Like I, I succeed when other people succeed and when other people get excited to make a sale and when they get business going and they can support their family. And so I invest my personal time on a daily basis to other people to help them succeed. So I was just on an hour Zoom call before this one 
with about three of my agents just going over ways that they can create more business, how they can get some stuff going and set up. Anytime anybody needs me, they can call me. I sat down and spoke about how to host Airbnbs with one of my agents earlier. So anytime I can give time to help boost them in their career, you know, is what I do. I don't want them to ever feel like a number and just like joining a company and like go sell real estate. Good luck. You know, it's more of like, hey, like it's a hard business. It's still going to be your business. You're still an independent contractor, but I'm going to do everything I can to make you win. Do we give it our best shot, right? So if they give any ounce of effort in my mind, they should be able to succeed and make it make it a living and make it a career. And yeah, so that's pretty much what Brick and Loft is, is our, is our new company. And we're the building, we, we, I forgot to mention, we're building a $2 million building on the south side of town. That's uh, a two-story, super cool building right next to, right in the heart of everything um, where Lubbock is moving to. It's and it, uh, it's gonna it's brick and loft. Obviously, we have brick on the exterior and the in- interior. We have brick walls, and then we have a, a big loft up top where uh, where the owners are gonna be able to have their offices. And then we have like a cool staircase, and eventually we may have a slide. You know, after it's all said and done, type of stuff. So that'd be something fun to to add. Um, they nixed the fire pole. They said no fire pole. So <laughs> we must have that. So we took, yeah, we took that out of the plans. It is what it is. But slide slide will be coming eventually. But yeah, that's our that's our main hub and our main building, and that'll be done hopefully in November or December, and then I'll be doing the next call like this out of that office. Um, so yeah, that's that's the plan here in the next couple of months, which I'm pretty excited for. And so right now, full recruit mode. So that's brick and loft in a nutshell. I may have to come down to Lubbock just to be able to go down that slide. Yeah, you need to come, man. We're gonna have a grand opening, and it'll be a big party. I think what you guys are doing is is obviously a unique spin on on real estate in general, but there are a couple of things that stick out. So we had a guest on the program long time ago, probably episode, I want to say seven, eight, nine, somewhere in that, in that range. And he was a really young real estate agent, right? And I think he has his own brokerage now. I'm not positive, but he came in with his broker at the time, but he was like 22, 23 years old, like really, really young, right? But he was killing it in real estate, which was what was so intriguing to me is that he was one of the top producers in the whole Phoenix Valley, which Phoenix is larger than Lubbock, right? I don't know how many real estate agents there are here, but he was he was really, really killing it. And a big thing that he did that was unique and is actually speaks to, you know, his age, you're older than he is, but not a ton older than he is. Um, and, and that is that you guys have a knack and an understanding of how real estate can be used or done differently by using social media and some of these other things that, that exist today, as opposed to, you know, most of the realtors that I know that are in their fifties and sixties who are not real comfortable with social media. hundred percent. Yeah. I, uh, let speak on that a little bit. Some of the zoom call, that I was on before this too, when we were talking about different training techniques and what to do. Social media is a huge one that I hit on utilizing social media in all forms. So, you know, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, but then you got LinkedIn, right? You need to jump on LinkedIn and make sure that that's good to go. And then YouTube, I didn't know that YouTube is probably the largest platform and the most, uh, the one that gives you the most metrics for, for watching, for views, the easiest payout one, the one that produces the most uh, revenue and leads. And so, I actually have my YouTube um, account pulled up that I've, I'm trying to post a video, but I've been doing some different calls and things all day, but I've, I've got my account created. And as of today or tomorrow will be the first video that I post and I'll start my YouTube channel. 
or uh, different investing techniques. Um, you know, obviously different showcasing of properties and then maybe even some some more fun light side type of stuff. And I attended an event in Dallas this past weekend and with some of my agents and we went to see Ryan Serhant speak, which is an idol of mine. He's he's in he's one of the top real estate agents in the world. He's in New York and he came to Dallas to speak. And so I got to ask him a couple of questions personally. But the entire presentation from the first speaker to the end of his speaking was everybody in between, they all talked about online or social media. That was what they hit on all of them. It was the most important detail and, and all they spent their time on. So I know it's such a heavy platform and yeah, the people that aren't comfortable with it and, and can't get, I mean, you're in front of a camera. Most people can't even do that and talk, right? They can't, they can't do both. They feel too uncomfortable with the way they look or they think they look goofy. And it's like, you got to get past a certain mentality of, I can't do this because of certain X, Y, Z reason that honestly, that you formulate in your own mind, nobody's ever told you that, right? They haven't posted a video and somebody's just bashed them completely. It's, you know, they had their own concept that they've developed in their mind of why it's going to not work out or whatever. And that's their own mind saying that versus somebody else versus just, hey, let's just try one and just see how it goes and getting over that hurdle of being embarrassed. Um, because at the end of the day, we're all, you know, if it's going to boost your company, make you more revenue, make you more deals and get you in front of people, like I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I mean, if I got to wear a diaper and run around the neighborhood, to create, if they got me listings, I would do it, you know, it, whatever it takes to, to, to get the listings. And if it's our social media and creating content, you know, I'm going to make it happen. I got a guy that I just hired on that I'm meeting after we finish this, it's going to help me create some content um, as well. So yeah, creating content's huge and, and uh, social media is a very powerful tool that a lot of people, unfortunately, will use. I'd probably say 10% of agents in the world use social media platform. And I think it'll change in five years that that number will drastically change um, because yeah. it'll be the only way to get in front of people. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think that people are going to catch on at some point, but that, you know, first to market sort of thing can kind of helps. It's the same in my business, my, you know, my day-to-day -day business, very few people do what they, you know, what we're doing here, record a podcast, do something on video, whatever. Now, I mean, let's be honest, I'm a very confident, really, really good looking person, right? So Agreed. <laughs> so, you know, that makes it easier for me, but no, I mean, we, we all deal with those same, you know, insecurities, right? It doesn't matter if we look like Tom Cruise or we look like, you know, somebody that's not Tom Cruise, right? But the, the reality is we all have those insecurities, but it it is a differentiator. It is something that makes a huge difference in, in this marketplace. So the other thing that I wanted to point out and kind of just get your, your thoughts on is it's, it is almost appalling to me how many real estate agents there are in our country that do not own any real estate. Like some of them don't even own their own house, let alone any sort of additional real estate properties. So, I mean, what, what's your experience to that? Maybe you even have statistics on that, but it's just, it's mind blowing to me how few real estate agents actually own and participate in in real estate specifically on the investments yeah i mean it's so true that a lot of a lot of realtors don't even own a property so in um in lubbock just in a general a general idea there's about 1500 agents or so and only about 700 800 of those people sell any house within a given year the rest of them i don't know if they just have their license to have it or they don't use it but there's about 800 people in our market that don't sell a house in a, in a calendar in a calendar year so there's a lot of people I think out there that getting their real estate getting your real estate license is not hard. 
it's it's honestly not hard doing a contract. The hard part is finding people to to buy and sell with you. And I think a lot, there's about twenty to thirty percent of the market of, of agents. This is the this is the hardest market to be a real estate agent in 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 the career that I've I've been in my short career about seven years. But as, I mean, from like two thousand eight to probably to probably here is probably one of the hardest markets to be a real estate agent in because there's so little inventory. There's so much cash being thrown around. And, you know, people necessarily don't need an agent. They're just throwing a house up there and they were getting whatever they want to. The market's cooled off a little bit, but there's just no inventory. So there's, you got four people looking for the same product and you just got to, you just got to wait till something comes up and then you put an offer in and there's seven other offers and you've lost. So you got to, you know, the more experienced agents are the ones that are, are controlling a lot of the deals right now. And the people that haven't been in the business for very long are not making a whole lot of money. When in, in, in on the flip side of things, people look at the market and they're thinking it's so hot and everybody that's in real estate is killing it. It's really not, that's really not the way it's going. So I tell my agents, if you can get through this storm and you can make it to where we have a more stable market and your rates stabilize and everything is more normal, that's when you really can, you know, get, get involved in the game and, and start making a name for yourself. Cause right now it's very hard. So if you can make it now, you can make it anytime. Uh, but back to your original statement of a lot of agents are practicing real estate and they're, and they're, they're giving their opinions on, on just the normal side of things of just walking house and selling it. Okay. Like, yeah, if you don't own your own home, you live in a home. So you can, you still can know the flooring, you can know the area, you can know the prices, you can know every detail about a house without actually having to own one. Um, I think experience is key in any kind of business. So I bought a house just to know what the process was like of actually buying a house and being on the other end. Right. Cause I'd never had that experience with the first couple of deals I did. So they were like, you know, I didn't know exactly what the bank sent you to get pre-approved. And I didn't know what documents they technically needed from you or, you know, how many, like all the, all the inbound calls it because your information gets sold and all the, the mail that tells you to pay for this and that, and you think it's legit and it's actually not, you know, all those little small intrinsic things have value. And so when I bought my own house, I was able to say, yeah, well, I've actually bought my house. I know kind of step-by-step how this goes. And then I can guide the buyer through there. With investing, I think that a lot of agents think that investing is, oh, that property has a tenant in it. It's an investment. You know, it'll be a thousand dollar rent and the property be two hundred thousand dollars. Well, yeah, it's in rented, but how is that an investment when you're gonna negatively cash flow every month unless you put half down? You know, it's it's not a good deal. And so I've made a name for myself in my market with investment property because I've owned over a hundred rental properties at one time. Um, I've built that portfolio up and over in like, you know, about two years, two and a half years. I own right now. I'm, I'm over 20 properties personally in my in my portfolio, just with myself without any other partners in it. And then I've gone through and bought and sold. And I do about 80 to 100 transactions a year uh, properties, and so I, I move quite a bit of property. So I know a contract like the back of my hand, and all that all that knowledge. I, I tell my agents always, it produces so much value when talking to somebody. And I think owning property, if you're going to start teaching people on how to invest their money. You got to be very, very careful because people work very hard for their money. Real estate is statistically one of the largest, if not the largest, purchase that an individual person will ever make in their entire life. So you're handling a massive portion of their money, and yeah, you're getting paid well, but you need to also you can't just be the yeah you want to buy a house two hundred thousand okay you should pay them two hundred thousand and then collect a check. It's like there's a lot that goes into it, a lot of guidelines because with investors, if you make them money, they'll be repeat customers. And so I run an investor list that I've develop relationships with these people, talk them about the market. They'll show me a house. I talk people out of deals sometimes. They'll want to buy a house. And I'm like, I wouldn't buy that just based on this and the number and we're going to pay for repairs and all this. You know, it's it's not going to be a good deal. And so mm-hmm. I've done very well with that. And then I've owned properties from, I mean, I, I rebuilt a house that I bought for $12,000 and rebuilt it from the studs up, right? Where you probably should have just demoed it. 
all the way to doing light remodels, but I've done everything in between plumbing lines, sewer lines, roofs, decking, um, installed HVAC units with some crews, anything under the sun you can think of for a property. I've done it. So I know the cost. I know what to look for. I know, you know, what foundation damage looks like versus settling. There's a lot of different things you can look at. And so when I, I've owned property as well, people will be like freaked out about an investment I'm telling them like, Hey, it's an investment property. You're really worried about the bottom line. You don't have to live in this house. It's just something that's going to make you money. And so just different things like that with owning property and understanding exactly what it, it means to own uh, your own rental property will help. You can pass that information along to a buyer or an investor, especially one that's a little bit newer that doesn't necessarily know what they're doing. Because at the end, of the end of the day, you want them to make a sound investment to where they tell all their buddies and they come invest with you more and you, you bring repeat business. And that's pretty much the name of the game. So there's a lot of agents out there that I think are one and dones because they tell people that you know this is a great investment property and then that person buys it and then they get upside down in it or they need to sell it because it's not cash flowing and then they and then they're burned down. They don't want to do real estate investing. And everybody knows that person, right? Oh, don't buy a rental. It's a headache. And you know, my tenant did this and punched holes in the wall and like tore the toilet out and left. And it's like, okay, yeah, this stuff happens. But if you buy right, you have the right team behind you. We go, we think we patch all this stuff up, we take their deposit, we take money, and then we keep rolling. It's an investment, so there is risk. But yeah, I think that owning your own property has a huge benefit for teaching people. Obviously, you know, some of these younger realtors that are just getting involved right out of college, they haven't purchased a house or, you know, any of those sorts of things. And so they they count on you to be that mentor and to be, you know, kind of borrow your experience, so to speak, as as their as their broker. But we were talking earlier about social media and, and just listening to you go through the different things that you have done and just getting started with your YouTube channel, like those are the types of things that you should be putting in your videos on your YouTube channel is just talk through some of the experiences that you've had. I bought this house and I had to do this and I had to, you know, I tore it down and rebuilt it from the studs. And in doing that, I learned this that I can now pass on to you, right? Like there are, there are some national real estate experts, right? That you're, you're just not going to compete with on social media, on YouTube, whatever. Right. But there's no reason to believe that you couldn't be the guy for Lubbock, right? To where you're, yeah, I live here in Lubbock. This is what I've done. These are the houses that I bought in Lubbock and Dallas, Fort Worth and Midland. And, you know, these are the different things that I've done. And, and this is how you can do it yourself, right? And just sharing that information will endear people to come to you. They're, they're not going to want to learn it themselves, but they know that they can come to Travis and Travis knows what to look for and, you know, how to calculate a cap rate or how to, you know, know what the repairs are going to cost for this. And in order for it to really be able to be rented for 1500 a month, you're going to have to do this, this, and this, and it's going to cost you this. And so if we factor that in, you know, all that kind of stuff is valuable. And too many people are afraid of sharing that information because they feel like, well, that's, that's my education. That's what I know. That's what makes me unique. But if you share that as an educator online, people will flock to you. Yeah, hundred percent. There's there's some people that uh, have a good following on social media, but in my mind, it's you know probably every business owner, even small, large, whatever, is that uh, the, all those people started from scratch at one point in their time too. So not to say that you know I I, I first is Lubbock, and then you hopefully can blow up and do more other areas in Dallas and the Midland, then you're doing Miami, and then you know it just blows up to where you can kind of build your presence up you know, more globally, because I think that the main thing is just the knowledge. You've got the knowledge and you have the right presence, which is why I've been doing my YouTube channels, you know, slower, 
is because I think there's there's a difference between having you half of it is content and the other half is presentation. And if you have really good content and your presentation sucks, people still won't watch it. You'd be the smartest man alive. And people, if you're filming with your phone and it's shaky and the mic's kind of off and you're, you know what I mean? And you're, you're kind of stuttering and all that kind of stuff. It's not going to look well on camera. You know, it's not going to make you any money and no, no views, but if you make it exciting and like, I'm, I have my videographer that I just hired on. And then I got my, me a little Bluetooth mic that I can clip to my shirt. So when I turn the voice doesn't cut in and out. Right. And then he films me and I can, now I can start doing different kinds of videos and then tackling stuff under 60 seconds. The attention span of somebody is between three and seven seconds to get their attention in a video, right? Before they just scroll to the next one. All the metrics on all the systems, they have to watch 70% of the video before it counts as like a, a, a watch. And then the more views you get and the more time they spend on your video, the more time, the more the, the system and the metrics work out in your favor to where it pulls on their page and the other people's page and it blows up and then it starts showing up on the for you page and things like that. So my target is more shorter videos, educational, wow factor. This house is, you know, it's got stuff everywhere, trash. You know, I've, I've had maggots and sink and, and dog poop and stuff and all the crazy stuff that you see, right? Some of that stuff, people, people want to see the gross and they want to see the awesome. And right now I know a lot of people show the really, really awesome multi-million dollar mansions, but nobody really shows like the day-to-day grind of like this person just trashed this house, come take a look type of deal and all the stuff you can find. And that, that'll even get people wow factor and share and stuff. So that's kind of like what I'm going to start targeting with this. Um, so, but I'm very, I like to be pretty close to perfect. It not have to be exactly perfect, but I'm not just going to throw material out there just to throw it. I'm kind of like, I have ideas, I'm going to put them together and then implement them, but I want it to be on point when I show it so that people actually watch the video. Um, yeah. So be looking out for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It definitely should be on point, but you you don't need it to be perfect, right? People want to see your personality. People do yeah. really recording, you know, on their cell phone. So you got to find that happy medium. You know, it's, it's funny. You talk about how you can be the smartest person in the world and put content out, but people don't care about it. It, it reminds me, you ever watched the show big bang theory? No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, Sheldon Cooper records fun with flags, right? And he's yeah. got his own YouTube show called fun with flags. And of course, nobody's watching it because nobody can, nobody cares about the origin of such and such flag, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So <laughs> good reference. All right. Yeah. So on that note, let's take a quick break. We'll hear a a quick call to action for our listeners, and then we'll come back and talk some more, uh, some more real estate. Hey there, Tycoons. Austin Peterson here, co-host of Tycoons of Small Biz. If you think you have what it takes to be considered a tycoon and you're wondering how you could become a featured guest, please follow and then message us at Tycoons of Small Biz on LinkedIn. We'd love to have a conversation with you to see if it is a mutually good fit. And if so, we'll get you scheduled for an interview. If you're unsure about being a guest on our podcast, but are contemplating selling your business over the next few years and you'd like to know what your business is worth, please also follow us and then message us on LinkedIn for your no obligation, informal valuation of your business. We look forward to hearing from you and thanks for listening to the Tycoons of Small Biz podcast. And now back to today's program. All right, Tycoons, welcome back to today's program. We're here with Travis Turner of Brick and Loft Realty out of Lubbock, Texas. Travis, we've been talking a lot about, uh, obviously, the different things that uh, that you've done in real estate over the years. But one of the things that you alluded to is today's market, right? Being a tough market, being a tough market to jump into the market. It's tough as a buyer. It's tough as a seller. So why should anybody purchase a, a home or when should somebody purchase a home in, in this market, in your opinion? A, a few key things. Like, I mean, I make money selling and buying property, right? But I still want the best for people. And so 
what I tell people is that there's there's a few key facts. I haven't put a number on because I can't. I don't know how many it's going to be. <laughs> right? Some people will be like, "There's three things you need to know." Well, there's a list of things you know. I don't know how many it is, so we're going to go over them. But number one, always buy within your means. So if you if you can afford a five hundred thousand dollar house, but I mean you're, you're looking at your payment, you're like, "Yeah, I can afford it," but you know, I'm going to be strapped. Like, don't do this. Not that's not a good investment because even your personal home is an investment. I mean, it's still you're still investing money. It's going to appreciate over time. You can still de- you still depreciate on your taxes. You can still write off stuff for your home purchase and things like that. And it could be an investment in the future, maybe that you rent out or or, or sell and make some profit on. Right? There's a lot of clients that have bought with me, and then their house has gone up forty percent, and then they sold it. That's an investment. They made money versus a car. You buy it. Except for in this market, it's a little different. But normally, you buy a vehicle, and as you put forty, fifty thousand, fifty thousand miles on it, that car depreciates. It's not an appreciating asset, right? That's not an investment. So buy within your means is a huge one. I think, and then I think buy buy at all. So you have people. One hundred percent of the rent that you pay is is not building anything for you, right? Versus at least getting some type. I mean, six percent interest rates. I mean, if if people didn't grow up in the 2000s, they know that interest rates were in the double digits, you know, in the 80s. Um, they've been, you know, they were high as like 16, 17%, which my parents had a house when they bought, they still bought it, you know, that rate. So people still buy as the rates go up and as rates come down, you can refinance. So it's not like you're going to be tied to a 7% interest rate for 30 years. You buy a house, you start building equity, the house will appreciate over time, no matter what. I mean, you may see like if you look at a graph, right, between here and here, it looks like the stock market. The stock market goes like this and goes all the way up. And then you have like 2000 or whatever, you know, 2008, it's like this, right? But in, in that little window, it looks huge. But in the big scheme of like over time, it's like a little blip and then it's back up. And, and over time, it's the same with real estate has gone up and up because there's no more real estate. It's a tangible asset. There's no more. There's no less land. It just is what it is, right? And there's more people. Uh, generally, the population is growing. People are, you know, with inflation, there's money everywhere. People want to live somewhere, but there's no, there's nothing to buy. So demand was like shooting through the roof, right? So people are always going to need a roof over their head and a place to live. It's always going to be the American dream. Even if you're not in America, it can be, you know, it's it's dreams to own property wherever you're at. Like you want to own your own house. That is almost 95%, 97% people's goal is to own a property of their own. And so buying something just to start building equity in and just learning the process of how to, how to own a home, like what repairs go into it, like what the process is, you know, and just calling something your own is, is a huge mental thing too. Um, because, you know, I have a lot of renters that I need to get in there and do stuff to the property or like I sell one and I'm intruding their space and they're all upset. But I'm like, I mean, you don't, at the end of the day, I'm sorry, but you don't own the property. Like you have no, the only right you have to it is that you're allowed to live there because you've signed an agreement. But in that agreement, there's all sorts of clauses of I can have access to the property. If you don't make your payment in the first three days, I can evict you. I can do all these different different things to a tenant. Your, your tenant rights are, are there, but they're very limited if you're not making payments and access to the property is always given to the landlord. I, I could just show up and walk through the house. It's just, it's the right to the, to the owner and to the property management code. Versus owning your own home, you have way more control and privacy and flexibility and things like that. Um, people don't think houses are that liquid. Well, I mean, you've seen how the market's been now. I bet everybody wishes they bought a house in 2019 because of how the market's been, right? It's been, it was crazy, right? And it's it's just, I mean, there's gonna be moments like that. And the, the, I mean, people bought stuff 30 years ago and now they're reaping, you know, benefits massively. I mean, it's the, the, the opportunity is endless and people always ask me, what do I think the market's doing? 
And I tell them, I think the market, you, you could see a little bit of a change. Interest rates, they're, they're combating inflation by raising interest rates. That only goes so far. People are still buying right now. Interest rates only controlled inflation so much. There was still an increase until they had their last hike, I think, and then it kind of steadied. So people are still out there buying. Real estate is, I think, with social media and just the energy and the attraction around it with all the TV shows and everybody investing in all the all the social media now, having uh, TikTok presence and stuff, real estate's really becoming a, a booming thing that everybody wants to be in. And when everybody wants to be in something, you just see it continue to go up and up and up. And uh, it's a tangible asset, one of the most powerful, largest purchases you can make. So it's it's always going to have value. So I tell people, you know, you can't time the market. If you could time the market, if, if let me know. If I could time the market, I'd be a billionaire, right? Like, it just doesn't work like that. Incremental buying and buying smart does. So that's why I go back to my first point, buy within your means. Yeah, okay, if rates are 10%, buy something that you can afford because as rates go up like that, generally house prices will stabilize or you might even be able to find some more deals, right? Because now nobody can afford a $400,000 house at 10%. So that house might be 325, 350. Well, then you get that house, but then it's going to go back up to four, 400, 450. And then you can just refinance, you know, a year later, float the extra 100 bucks a month for a year and then refinance on a lower note. And so um, you can't predict the market, buy within your means, buy something that you can invest in, be smart about it. And uh, that's pretty much what I tell people uh, about the market and when to buy and how to buy. And, you know, they always ask me, they always want to try to time it and wait till next year to see how things go. And I'm like, well, next year, that $200,000 house is going to be 215,000. Yeah, you might save half a percent on your interest rate, but now, but you also have zero equity. So it's like, you, uh, you could have 12 months of equity versus now you have none. Now this is a little higher, but you're saving half the point in interest rates, which you could have refinanced in 12 months anyway. So there's not a whole lot of benefits of waiting. Just buying smart is, is the main key. Yeah. Well, you're, you're kind of preaching to the choir. Obviously, Landon and I have these conversations with our clients from time to time about the stock market, right? And wanting to time the stock market. And it's, it's the same thing. It's, you know, nobody's going to time it perfectly. Get in when you can. If if there's a pullback, put in more money. You know, I mean, there's there's always a buying opportunity, but we all get in our own heads. I mean, even with as logical as I am with what I do for a living, when I bought the house that I live in now, I knew that I was overpaying for it in that market, right? And I bought it in July of 2015. I didn't negotiate a ton because it was a widow who had just lost her husband in her in his late 30s to brain cancer. You know, I knew that I was probably paying about 15000 more than I should have been paying for it. But she had listed it for sell by owner through this Facebook page. We live in this neighborhood that is just super well known and everybody wants to live here because we live in Arizona, but there's groundwater. And so we have an exemption for trees and grass and you know, we have really nice, beautiful yards compared to most areas that have the desert landscape, right? Yeah. And it's not that there's anything wrong with the desert landscape, but if you want this type of landscaping, it's it's in this neighborhood. It's in this area that used to be farmland that had groundwater. And so with that, a lot of owners are able to just list their property for sale by owner on Facebook and, you know, sell it that way, right? Well, I also came with a realtor because I wanted the professional to negotiate some things, talk about certain things, handle the contract, you know, those sorts of things. And so because of that, I just didn't, I didn't negotiate, but I fast forward seven years and my property value has more than doubled 
since I bought it seven years ago, right? So yeah. I felt like I overpaid then, but now I feel I feel quite comfortable <laughs> with what I paid, right? Yeah, you're wearing the investor badge. You're like, oh yeah, no, you should, yeah. <laughs> trust me, you like tell your friend's advice, right? Like, no, trust me, I, I knew what I was doing back then. Yeah. <laughs> One of those. <laughs> exactly. All right, so we're kind of coming to the end here. So why don't you just real quickly let us know what true asset and index are and what you're doing there, and then wrap up with telling us how people can get can get in contact with you. Obviously, Brick and Loft is our property or is our uh, real estate brokerage, and we're actively recruiting and hiring agents who want to learn how to sell real estate. I personally teach them, take time to invest in them, um, teach them all the processes of how to work the computer, how to set up your day you know, how to get in touch with clients, and then obviously how to negotiate contract to deal and everything in between. So that's Brick and Loft Realty. We're currently recruiting in Midland, Lubbock, and Dallas. The cool thing about what I do is if somebody wants to be a realtor in a different market, I'll look at how to set that up. We can figure something out. Um, I'm always down to spread the wings and, and continue to control other areas. So if you're listening and you're interested, give me a shout if you're interested in something like that or joining on the team. Anywhere in Texas, we're already good to go. I can just buy into the MLS and we can rock and roll. Um, true asset property management, if somebody wants to invest in property and they want us to manage it for them, true asset is our property management company, which we also can do some kind of some construction and, and things like that. So if they want to invest, you know, a 1031 exchange money or they they want to just buy something and love it because they saw they had heard the, the show and they want to invest in some real estate, I can take from A to Z all the way from I can help you locate a good property to negotiate the deal to managing the property and, and fixing all the stuff in between to then helping you resell it again to make some make a profit in the end. So that's true. That's true asset property management. Uh, we are located in Lubbock. We can do some other stuff and we're, we're looking to branch out into the Dallas Fort Worth area, as I mentioned, in the Midland area. Um, so we can manage property out there if somebody has something that we need to look at. I also do Airbnb hosting. So I'm a super host in Airbnb. I, I, I host Airbnb property. I can do it from anywhere. I'm particular about the properties I host. So if somebody had one they wanted, they can reach out to me, send me details, and I'll take a look at it, um, give them the rundown there. And then we have Invex Capital Group, which is um, something we're super excited about that we rolled out last year. Fund one is already closed, and we've already purchased everything in that one. Basically, what Invex is, is it's like what Grant Cardone does or what Brandon Turner on Bigger Pockets does. It's a syndication. So they collect money from investors. You know, it's 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 regulated with the SEC and we get that money funded to us and then we buy property on their behalf. And the, the thing that we did differently than other groups is that other groups syndicate a large apartment or a hotel. It's usually one unit or one property that has multiple units versus we targeted single family houses so that we didn't have all of our eggs in one basket. A lot, and I don't know if there's any other group that syndicated single family houses before. Uh, they always focus on one large unit to fix up a little bit, get it running better, and then sell it and take out the back end. So we purchased about 27 single family houses in the Lubbock area that we're currently managing for the group. And then, you know, three to six years, depending on the market, we will sell those properties, uh, you know, collect a profit, pay out our investors, and then, and then keep rolling forward. And they can roll that into the next fund if they want to, or whatever we have going. So every now and then we'll have an index fund open up to where people can invest. Um, in certain property or um, in, the, in the commercial parks or things like that. So we'll have offerings every now and then that people can invest on and they can find it at our websites. And so, yeah, those are the, those are the three ones I'm working on now is, is Brick and Loft, True Asset, and Invex Capital Group. Getting in contact with me, uh, talking to, I was talking to him earlier. <laughs> I, you, can, you can get in contact with me. All all forms, shapes, fashions. You can I mean you can yell at me from across the road, but 
obviously do, do we give out phone numbers here is that yeah. something okay. yeah, like yeah okay cool so obviously phone text is the easiest way i get i probably get about uh 200 texts a day and about uh 40 phone calls that are numbers that i don't recognize so text me so i always go through all my texts and respond to everybody so that's usually the easiest way that or email but my number is 806-577-2508 that's my personal cell phone or you have my email, which is Travis Turner at B L R L B K. So that's B as in boy, L as in Larry, R as in Randy, and then LBK for Lubbock.com. And then I can get you in touch with any of our companies that you need. Those are pretty much the two main contact information that I use. You can find me on, on Instagram, Travis Turner underscore three, um, Facebook. I don't know, Travis Turner. I don't know how you'd search on Facebook, I guess. I don't have a, I don't know my actual link, but just look Travis Turner. I'm the only one in Lubbock. Um, it looks like they sell real estate. And then obviously on all the other social media platforms, just find me or reach out to me on one of my personal contacts and I can get you set up with the media if you want to follow the YouTube channel, things like that. Uh, that's pretty much what I got. And uh, I'll tell you, um, I was thinking of this the other day. I figured I'd leave you with one good thought. Maybe you can piece this in somewhere. But, you know, people always ask me, I, f- I feel like a, a general question is when they see somebody succeed, like, how are you succeeding? And what are you doing to get ahead? And like, what are the secrets, you know, and and what are you doing to create what you're doing and, and to get ahead and how do you have all this business or whatever, right? When people are getting into it. And I think, I think that we've gotten so far past what the normality is that everybody's thinking there's like this recipe or something that they need to be doing. When in reality, I think that people need to sit back and just like the thing that everybody is not doing is the things like be a genuine person, you know, respond to people, be truthful about the business you're doing. Like, don't undercut somebody or go behind their back or make them buy a bad property or invest in a deal that you're doing or whatever, whatever business you're in, right? Like don't sell them on something that's not right for them, right? Trustworthiness, it goes a long way. You know, I mentioned returning phone calls and texts and respecting people and showing up on time, things like that, I think go a long way for, for business these days, just being a genuine person and, and being there for people and just reinvesting back into people to show them that you're that you're there for them because that's what it is in any sales business we rely on the customers and they're the business and without them we would be nothing so really remembering that and giving them your full attention you know not distracted attention but full attention just all those little things i think come into play and ultimately that's like probably what five percent of the the sales market and the business market does these days nobody adheres anymore to the customer they're all just trying to figure out ways to get people in and out but you actually spend time and invest in people. You, you, I think you'll do well in your business. Well said, Travis, and a great way to end the show. So again, appreciate you being here. Really appreciate the story. You're doing some great things and uh, and wish you all the luck in the world as time goes forward. Appreciate it, Austin. Look forward to seeing it with you. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> yes, sir. Thanks, man. You've been listening to Tycoons of Small Biz a podcast for small business owners by small business owners. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Arizona time for an introduction to another great tycoon. And be sure to follow us on our social media channels for links to all of our episodes and great content.